Good morning. Welcome to this time to gather as the family of God and to worship our God who gives us what we need when we need it. The MYF youth and I have been so excited for this time of worship this morning that we got here yesterday, last night, and we have been waiting in the building all night long for the rest of you to come. So I'm glad you are here. And God gives us what we need when we need it. So. Welcome to this beautiful morning of worship and sharing together. Please take your bulletins and turn with me to the front for the call to worship as we bring each other into this time of worship together. La salvación viene de nuestro Dios, que está sentado en el trono y del Cordero. Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen. La alabanza, la gloria, la sabiduría, la acción de gracias, la honra, el poder y la fortaleza son de nuestro Dios por los siglos de los siglos. Amen. Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. I invite you to take your blue hymnals and turn to the front to number one. And we will sing this together. What is this place? And please stand and sing as you are able.
Would you please join me in a time of prayer? God of all of life, in you we live and we move and we have our being. We praise you for life, for the ability to know your love, and for the opportunities you give us to share your love with others. We confess that we often fail to love as much as you call us to. You call us to see the world from the perspective of the least of these and not from a place of comfort and power. Forgive us for not being extravagantly generous with our time and our resources and our prayers. God, we recognize how precious and fragile life is. When diseases spread, we are especially grateful for doctors and nurses, healthcare workers, and scientists who work hard to help us find healing. God, we especially pray for those in our congregation in need of healing and care. For Millie Yoder Troyer, as she recovers from a broken hip. We pray for Julie Bender, who's in the hospital and gaining strength before immunotherapy. For Rachel Hartzler, as she continues to struggle with heart issues. For Carl Metzler, as he recovers from pneumonia. For Lucy Muntuguanka, who is experiencing a recurrence of cancer and for Donna Priest, who awaits further consultation for a mass in her abdomen. God, for these needs and for those we've not mentioned, we ask for your healing presence and a sense of calm. God, we also celebrate life and we love the opportunity to celebrate special birthdays. This week, we celebrate with Eric Torres Mendez and his family as they celebrate his 15th birthday. We thank you for the joy and the care that he brings to others and continue to bless Eric as he grows into the person you have created him to be. God, we are grateful for the ways that we see you at work in our lives. And we are grateful for the ways that we can be your body at work in the world. Open our eyes to see new opportunities to be your hands and feet and heart in this community. And help us to be fully aware that you are working through us and that we are your instruments of peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you all to take the Green Sing the Journey book and turn to number 18. And while we do that, children, I invite you to come forward for the children's time that Sarah will be leading. We will just be singing verses 1 and 3, and there is a leader part that I'll be singing, and then you're welcome to join on all.
Good morning, everyone. I have a story to tell you, and my, my kids are going to help me with this. But Jesus and his disciples were in the temple together. And while they were there, people came in and put their offering in the offering basket. A rich person walked in and put a large amount of money in the basket. He had many bills and many coins. And next, a poor widow came and she put two small coins worth less than one penny in the offering basket. And Jesus called his disciples close to him and he asked them, who gave more? What do you think? Who gave more? Harold said the poor widow. That doesn't make any sense. The first person came in and put in lots of bills and lots of coins. What do you mean the widow gave more? Because it was all she had. You know this story. Jesus said to the disciples, he said, this might not make sense to you, but the wealthy person, even though he put a lot in, when he went home, he had plenty more. He was going to be okay. But the poor widow, the one who put in just the two small coins, she gave everything that she had. When she went home, she didn't have a bank account that she could pull into. She didn't have money hiding underneath her mattress. She didn't have a piggy bank full of coins. She gave all she had. You guys can go back and sit down. And I think a lot of us have heard this story before. I know this is a story I've heard, but it was interesting as I was reading it this time, I found myself feeling kind of emotional about it. She gave all she had? Not she gave 10% of what she had, or she gave what most people would consider a reasonable gift. Not even that she gave most of what she had. She gave all she had. And Jesus saw that sacrifice and wanted to make sure that his disciples saw it too. And it got me thinking. I thought, have I ever been able to say that about myself? Have I ever been able to say that I gave all that I had? Now, this might be a little bit of a stretch, but follow with me here. And you might, I, I, there's a reason this isn't up on the screen. It's just down here. But the closest that I could come was when I thought about my time on the tennis court. And I started playing tennis when I was little, and I played tennis all the way through college. And as I was thinking through, have I ever given all that I had, I remembered those matches when you were so evenly matched with your opponent that either person could have won. When you think about sprinting and hustling and chasing down balls and on the court physically and emotionally and mentally giving everything that you have. And there was one time in particular where the rain messed everything up and we did one tournament that should have been a whole weekend. We did it on one day. And on that one day, I played four singles matches and I played three doubles matches. And that might not seem like a lot to people who don't play tennis, but that is a lot of tennis. And at the end of that last match, my body gave out on me. I was dehydrated. I actually kind of fell to the ground. And my body started cramping from the bottom of my feet all the way up to my shoulders. And when my mom ended up driving me home, I couldn't get out of the car. Like, she had to lift me out of the car. And I thought, yep, I think that day I gave my all. I gave everything that I had. But have I ever been able to say that I gave all that I had to God? Or have I even come close? 
And you don't have to answer that question, but that's, that's something I've been thinking about. And I've really been thinking about what does it mean to give all that we have? And our story for today is talking about money. It's talking about money. Do you think that God and Jesus just want adults with full-time jobs to be giving their money to the church? No. Do you have any money? Birthday money, Christmas money? Does the tooth fairy come and kind of slide some money underneath your pillow? I know some of you have jobs. Some of you babysit. Some of you mow yards. Some of you make things and sell them. We can start giving our money to the church even when we're little. And I hope you'll think about some of that money that you have at home. One of the things that we can give to God when we give God everything that we have is our money. A second thing I thought about, I thought about our bodies and I thought about the energy that our bodies have, thinking about what do we do with our bodies and what can we give to God? And there's so many things we can do if we're trying to give all that we have to God. We can open doors for people when we see them coming. Or if we're out raking leaves in our yard and we see a neighbor that's got a yard full of leaves, we can help them rake their leaves, shovel other people's driveways. You know, when you're out playing and you see trash and garbage in your yard or at school, we can use our bodies and our energy to pick those things up and to care for God's earth. We can look for ways to help people, maybe making our brother's bed for them, sending your teacher a thank you note. They like those. If you see someone struggling with their homework, we can use our bodies to do things, and that is one way that we can give all that we have to God. A third way I thought about, see this clock? Time! We all have 24 hours every day, and we have to make choices every day with what we do with our time. But when we're giving all that we have to God, we make being here at church and Sunday school a priority. We join in on Wednesday evening activities and look for ways to spend time with our church family. And if someone comes and says, hey, want to join this committee or task force? You know, we do what we can to use our time to work towards God's kingdom here on earth. All right, I've got a fourth one. I picked the word kindness. I was thinking about when we give all that we have to God, how do we interact with other people? And this can be simple, this can be a smile, this can be a hug, this can be sharing our toys, even that special toy that we really don't want to share. This can be, you know, when we think those mean things in our heads and we want to say them out loud, this can mean swallowing those and just keeping it in because it's not kind and it's not helpful. And I think this is really important because I think you're going to know what I'm talking about. It's using our eyes and keeping our eyes open for someone at school who maybe doesn't have a friend someone that people don't want to play with or eat lunch with. And when we're giving all that we have to God, we look for ways to be friends with those people. And I've got one more. When we give all that we have to God, this includes our heart. And this is how we act towards God. This is spending time reading our Bibles. This is filling our minds with the story of God and God's people. This is praying and not just at meals or before bed, but this is sharing those deepest desires of your heart with God and listening for God to talk back to you. And this is praising. This is using our voices to sing and playing instruments and dancing and raising our arms in the air. This is giving our heart to God. And when we give all that we have to God, that includes our hearts. So these are just a few ideas of some things that I thought about because I'm assuming that I'm not the only person who really has to ask that question. Have I given all that I have to God? 
But when you start to feel maxed out or when you start to feel like you've done enough, I want you to remember the story of the widow who gave everything that she had and to use that as encouragement to keep giving more even when it feels hard. Will you pray with me? Dear God, we thank you for all of the ways that you love us. Help us to open our eyes to see the needs that other people have around us and help us to let go of those things that we hold on to so tightly and to remember that everything that we have comes from you. Give us the courage to share. Give us the courage to give. Thank you for loving us. Amen. You can grab your worship bags. Our next hymn, I Will Sing With You, can be found in the back of your hymnal. I think it's numbered 555. It should be slipped into the uh, pocket at the back of the hymnal. I Will Sing With You.
Our preacher for this morning is David Maldonado, member of our pastoral team. If you join me in a prayer of blessing for David. God, we thank you for David and for his commitment to give all that he has to you. Thank you for blessing him as he has prepared for this moment. And bless us with your words through David. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. I'm going to be reading out of the book of Mark, chapter 12, verse 41 to verse 44. The first version I'll be reading is a New King James Version. Then I want to follow that with a reading from the American Standard Bible. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrant. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. I'm going to read the same scripture, but in New American Standard Bible. And he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. Now I want to look at the location. I want to look at Jesus' observations. Then I want to take a look at Jesus' conclusion. And then I want to think about what in this passage has absolutely any relevance to my existence in Goshen in the year 2020. And he sat down opposite the treasury. He, put, he placed himself in a location where he can watch the giver 
and what they gave. So he located his body in a position where he can observe people that came to give and what they gave. Some place him in the court of the women because it is in that court, in that area of the temple, that all Israelites had access to. So anyone who's an Israelite, male or female, can enter that place. Gentiles were not allowed to enter that place. In this place, there were 13 trumpet-shaped receptacles. So there are 13 baskets, if you will. We have them up here in the front. There would have been 13 larger than these, and they were shaped like a trumpet. And so Jesus is in that locality on this day and began observing how the people, one, the general public, the people, were putting money into the treasury and many rich, second category, this is a financial bracket. The general public is not rich. That's one type of people visiting the temple attending the temple. Then there's another category that comes to this temple, and they're in another bracket. They fall into a financial bracket, which has the caption up top, rich. Then there's a third category. Not too many in this category, because it is singular, a widow, one, a one. So we have the people, many, general population. Then we have many rich, a large group, but not the general population. Then we have that single group, a widow. Not just any widow. She could have been part of the general population widow. She could have been part of a rich population, but she wasn't part of neither of those. She was just a widow, and what set her apart from being a widow is not just that she has no one, she has nothing. Two strikes. She has two strikes against her. She has no one, and she has nothing. There isn't a welfare system to take care of her. No, there's not that. She's on her own. So that's what he's observing. Then he says, hey, 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 hey. Come here. Venga, muchachos. Come here, guys. Something really interesting just happened here. Something that you guys 
need to know about. Oh, ¿qué pasó? What happened? What's going on? I just observed something. What'd you observe? I mean, there's a lot going on in this large temple, massive temple, hundreds of people. What did you see that is so important? So he calls them over. Truly, in other words, I'm not kidding, I'm not joking. Truly I say to you, and he signals her out. He signals her out. Now, there's a lot I could say about this because oftentimes we, we have a perception of a Jesus who doesn't judge anybody, who doesn't compare anything, who doesn't call anybody out, who doesn't pass judgment on nobody. We almost have a picture of like a, I don't know, like a silly Jesus, like a fat Santa Claus Jesus. He's just nice to everybody. He's a pushover. I think we need to read scriptures again. I, I, not, not commentaries. I mean the Bible. I know, I know a lot of folks read a lot of books, but maybe we need to read more Bible and less what people are saying about Jesus. And let just, let's let Jesus talk for himself. So, he's putting a contrast here. He holds up a widow, and he holds up rich people, and he puts them up against each other. Why would he do that? Why does anybody do that? What's the point of this lovely Jesus? Why are you making me see something that I didn't see? Why are you calling my attention to something that I am ignorant of? Why do you open my eyes this way, Jesus? The world was really nice before you called me over here and put my attention to the rich person and the poor widow. Who cares? Everything was fine. We had our minds on other things. Jesus has a tendency to disrupting our existence and calling our attention to that which we have no interest and we want nothing to know about that. That's the Jesus I see in Scripture. So he calls him over, he says, This poor widow put in more than all contributors to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. Now, what she gave, obviously she had not gone to the money exchangers. There were those guys in there, just like in the airports. When I've gone overseas, you have them there in the little booths, and you, me as an American, I come with the American dollars, so I go to the booth there, and I give them, I don't know, okay, I was in Guatemala, I give them $200, and they give me 1,400 quetzales. I'm like, wow, I got a lot of money. 
So, but part of the $200, they took a percentage of that. That's theirs. Part of that is theirs. Well, she didn't go and exchange her coins because she had the smallest. <laughs> there is nothing smaller. She can't go over there and nobody's going to change that because you got the least amount. You got the smallest denomination. I can't make no money off of you. So what she brings is insignificant. Has very little value in the eyes of the people who exchange the money. And yet here is Jesus. She has caught the eye of God. Insignificant things have that power in God's eyes. So if you feel insignificant, hey, you got God's eye. If you feel mighty and glorious, <laughs> woe unto you. God don't play those games. God is not impressed with any of us down here. I'm sorry to bust, burst somebody's ego. God looks on the lowly. So, the widow, now Jesus' conclusion, the widow's giving is equal to all the contributions. These two coins equal everything that the general population gave and the many rich gave? According to Jesus' math, yes. Which means that Jesus, God in flesh, measures things differently than you and I measure them. You and I see things in one dimension. We are one-dimensional. But God sees things in multi-dimensions. When you see one thing and you assess that one thing, you see it through your eyes and your dimensions. God sees it in multiple facets. It's obvious, I think, that Jesus is not referring to the amount given. So then I want to consider what did she give? Because I don't think it is so much the amount she gave. Now, there is a difference in giving that the Lord observed and has revealed to us. Notice how Jesus spoke about the rich. They gave from their surplus what's left over. Giving from surplus is connected to motivation is connected to ideology is connected to the way you see God and to the way you see money our giving talks more about the way we see money and God than the amount we actually give many folks pay attention to the amount God's paying attention to other matters matters of the soul And that is what Jesus Christ is peeling back and revealing to the motley crew. So let me move on then to, is there anything of relevance here for us? 
One, mingled coins. All these people are giving coins, and it's just making that noise that they were putting in these baskets, and you heard that clinging. And, and it gets mingled. Once it becomes mingled, you really don't know who gave what unless it's in an envelope. But if it's all coins, yes, and everybody's, there's 13 baskets up here, and everybody just comes up and puts coins in there, nobody knows who gave what. And then Scott will take it and it'll go clink, 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 clink over there in the office. It's all combined. It's mingled. I believe one of the things that at least I get from these mingled coins is I think that that is what the house of God is supposed to be. A place where lives become mingled. Just one. One big family. Paul tried to stress this. He says, there, therein, there is no more Jew. There's no Greek. There's no Gentile. There's no male. There's no female. There's just us in Christ. And we're still working at that, I think. We're still working at that. We're still trying to work at that, the way God sees things. One family, mingled. The intersection of life here, Sunday mornings. We're all busy during the week. We're out and about. But on this one Sunday, one day a week, two hours or two and a half hours out of that week, we become intertwined, mingled. We become one. There's a difference in giving that I observe in this passage. There is the giving out of abundance that some can give and it doesn't affect them in any way, shape, or form. I remember many, many years ago I used to earn $220 a week. $220. That's, that's my, that's, I'm taking this home. I have three kids at home. My rent is $450 a month. You make the math. $220. That's $880 a month. Half of that goes to rent. And I would bring my $22 every Sunday morning as a, as a tithe unto God. And every time I put those $22 in that envelope, I said, Lord, you know. Woo, if anybody knows, you know how much these $22 mean to me. Because I got two of these rugrats still in Pampers. Now, some of y'all never lived that. You have no idea what I'm talking about. You're probably sitting up there, ooh, that's crazy. Well, there's a lot of people, the general public lives that weekly in this community. So I, 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 get, I get that. So there's, 
Abundance, giving out of abundance. Then there's those who give out of duty. Mom taught me to give, or dad told me to give, or such and such told me to give, or Sunday school teacher told me to give. So they give dutifully. It's part of my duty. It's my duty. I'm not saying any of that is wrong. But then there is giving on the basis of faith. You, you know what that is, right? Faith. Believing in what you don't see. Believing in what you can't touch, what you can't smell, what you can't see, what you can't taste. I believe that widow encompasses that. Three, she gave the least, but Jesus praised her for giving the most. Why? I believe she gave sacrificially. She gave it all. That's sacrificial. Give it all. She gave from her experience. I don't think this is the first time she's done that. She gave from her experience because she knows God is faithful. She gave out of knowledge. She gave out of knowledge. God knows she gave all. She knows God is watching. And she knows that when she dropped those two coins in there, she knows that he knows that she ain't got nothing else. She knows that. She gave as an act of faith. She acted out of conviction. She was not contributing to the wealth of that temple, to those corrupt priests. Many of you have read plenty about that corruption in there. She wasn't supporting that corrupt system. She wasn't in favor of that corrupt system. No. She was giving to a living God. The God who is attentive to the insignificant contribution of an insignificant widow. <laughs> That's the God I've fallen in love with. A few questions. Why do I give? Why do you give? Does what I give matter? Does what I give matter? Does Jesus continue to watch our giving? Does the amount you give matter more than the motive in which you give it? What are you not giving? What are you not 
giving. Lastly, have you ever given your substance? I'll close with this. Her giving caught God's attention. When you have God's attention, you can expect a reaction. Lord bless you. Our hymn of response is number 383 in the hymnal, God whose giving knows no ending.
Good morning. My name is Lori Hostetler, and I'm the chair of the Gifts Discernment Committee. We are a committee of the church board that has the role of looking at the gifts of the many members uh, and participants of our church and finding ways these gifts can be used in our church family. God is at work in this church. Many times God is helping with things behind the scenes through the important work of our commissions. And as Sarah mentioned during the children's time, these commission members are giving of their time. Today after the service, we invite you to join us in the fellowship hall to thank our commission members for their work. In addition to having the opportunity to greet them, we will also be having information projected on the large screen uh, that shares a little bit about what these ministries are and how these commissions support and carry out the work in our church. In the spring, our committee will enter into our gifts discernment time and we will be processing ways to fill the vacated terms of our commissions. We invite you to be thinking about the gifts that you have been given and the ways that you may serve our church, whether through a commission or in other forms of ministry. At this time, I would like to name our commissions. And as I do so, I invite any members of those commissions who happen to be here to please stand. I would invite you to remain standing until all have been named. Administration Commission. Discipling Commission. Worship Commission. Community Life Commission. And Outreach Commission. Thank you for your service. As we prepare to worship God with our tithes and our offerings, I want to highlight how all of our giving opportunities today work together. One of the many ways that we care for each other, especially when unexpected challenges come up, is through the Encircling Fund. The Community Life Commission oversees this fund, and with care and confidentiality, this fund offers financial assistance for things like utilities and car repair, rent or mortgage assistance, travel for, for medical care, counseling, medication, groceries, and more. The Encircling Fund is a special fund outside of our General Ministries Fund, and to make sure that all of the funds in the Encircling Fund can go to those in need, the pastoral care and the administrative costs come from our Ministries Fund. So our offering now goes towards the Ministries Fund, and all the opportunities to give later on at the carry-in meal will go to the Encircling Fund. So on behalf of everyone who has ever benefited from the Encircling Fund, thank you for your continued generosity. Today is also the second Sunday of the month, which means it's time to give our coins for camp. And these coins go for financial assistance for children and youth and families for this coming summer of summer camp. So let's worship God together in these many different ways, giving what we have. So I invite you to bring your offerings forward to the baskets, and please sign and pass the friendship booklets that are at the end of your row as well.
Let us pray. Father, thank you for health. Thank you for work. Thank you for your provisions. Receive our gifts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn is number 64 in Sing the Journey. You'll notice that on the two facing pages, there's a repeat. So we sing each page twice before going to the next page. You'll also notice that this has Spanish and English mixed in. And I just invite you to join into that with a good spirit of energy. On the second page where the verses are, there's a leader and an all part. So I'll be singing that solo line and then you can join in on all.
We have many opportunities to be the body of Christ to each other today. At noon, we will have a carrion meal, followed by a cookie bake-off, cookie decorating, the encircling swap, games, and more. And look for signs and pictures and follow the prompts on those signs for all those activities. Following our worship time here, we will have our normal Sunday school hour, and we'll also have a special time of recognition for all of our commission members in the fellowship hall, as, as Lori had said. So please stop by and thank them for all the time and energy that they give to the church. And the blood drive in honor of Caleb Ganawan starts now. And you can go down the east hallway to find more information about that and to sign up uh, to give blood today. So for our benediction, we are going to say to each other what we just sang. So I invite you to look across the circle, not at me, look at each other, find someone across the circle, and on the count of three, say, Somos el cuerpo de Cristo. One, two, three. Somos el cuerpo de Cristo. Now find someone else. And on the count of three, say, we are the body of Christ. One, two, three. We are the body of Christ. Now find someone else. And in either English or Spanish or another language, say what we just said. Uno, dos, tres. Somos el cuerpo de Cristo. Amen. Go in peace.